right, we're in the second part of our series. We started last week, a spiritual checkup. Last week, we talked about the fact of every now and then you need to just go back and look and evaluate, how am I doing in my walk with God? Because here's what I, I have seen and am still seeing and understanding about myself, people in general, the church, is we get kind of in the groove and we just kind of sometimes will settle. Sometimes we'll just settle in, all right, we're good, we're going to church, we, you know. And we got to make sure that we look back and say, am I growing? And I gave you that analogy about when we had that place down at, uh, it was called the shack. When I say down at the beach, you think, oh, nice. No, it wasn't. It was just a screened-in porch and, and no hot water. I mean, the fastest showers, we could have 10 people shower in less than four minutes. It's, it's freezing cold water. Um, but we used to love to go down there, and there was a door frame that we used to go every year and just measure. And the next year we'd come back and realize, oh, we grew last year. We grew. And sometimes you didn't know you grew until you just went back and, and looked. It was recently that um, my parents had been gone for a while. They were traveling, and they saw Chase, and Chase has kind of hit this little growth spurt. Well, because he lives with us, obviously, we don't really notice uh, as much until all of a sudden, you know, you get a – a pair of pants or something that he wore last year or something, you know, like, hey, put these on. And then you're like, whoa, those are those are kind of like culottes or whatever those things are called. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Is that what they're called? No? Anyway, whatever, short, long shorts. But anyway, you get the picture. He grew. That's all I'm trying to say. He grew. So last week we talked about did we, did we grow, are we growing in our own life? And we asked some questions to ourselves like, am I in the word more? Am I more aware that God loves me? Because you need to, you'll, you'll grow in that understanding all the time. You'll never get the, okay, I got it. It's that big that you, you, know, you see more and more every day. Wow, God, you really do love me. Am I, do we pray more? Are we spending more time just quietly before the Lord, talking to him and listening to him? Are we, is our speech changing? Are we talking more? Uh, words of encouragement. Are we speaking the word? Is our Facebook post changing? Are, are things changing in us? And you go back and look. Well, today we're going to continue on that, but we're going to talk more. The last week was more just personal. Your relationship with God, are you seeing it in you? Now this week we're going to talk about what are other people seeing in you? Let's look at that. And I want to remind you of something that in no way is this meant for you to read these questions in and be condemned. Okay, no way would I ever try to say, hey, you're not doing this good enough. You're not doing this good enough. You're not doing this good enough. But I want, I, wanna, I want to just raise an awareness to say, would you be willing to do an evaluation of your own life? And like I said last week, don't look to your neighbor and say, you need, you need to work on that one. Because that's, what not, that's not what it's for. It's for you. It's for you. Because in our Christian life, there's all kinds of areas we all have to grow. We all have weaknesses. We all have areas that we're just really strong in. We all have areas that we're weak in. And if you, if you don't think you have any areas of weakness, that's what your weakness is, that you think you have it all together, you know, and you're not. So I want to give you a little analogy here. Maybe this will, this will help you understand so you, you understand why we're doing what we're doing, all right? I love, grew up playing baseball. I love it. Still do. Uh, haven't played softball the last couple of years just because I'm trying to represent the church well, and I get a little too competitive, so I've taken a little break. Um, 
But when it, when it comes to uh, baseball, I coached for a while, and then my son didn't like me coaching his team because I was too hard on them. And I'm like, hey, they need to learn. I know they're seven, but still, they, they need to learn. Um, but whenever, whenever I would go try out for a team, or if, if I was coaching and, I, and we were doing tryouts for people that want to play, in the high school they'll have tryouts, in the middle school they have tryouts for the baseball team. And here's what they do. Every, you look at a lot of different areas of the sport. Okay, one area is hitting. You have to be able to, you want to be able to tell, okay, overall, they want to play baseball. Let me see how they do in these individual areas. Okay, the first individual area, hitting. It's important that you learn to hit. You know, you can be a good ball player, you can catch good and throw good, but if you don't know how to hit, that's good, that, then that's where we need to work. We need to spend more time on your hitting, learning how to stand, learning how to swing. We need to spend more time on that. If, you're, if you hit all right, um, you need to learn how to throw. You need, to, you need to find out, are they a good pitcher? Are they someone that, you know, you just want to put them somewhere where they don't have to throw very far? Do you want to put them somewhere where hopefully the ball doesn't go? You know, whatever you want to do. And then the other aspect of it is catching and fielding. You know, when you have your glove and you're out in the field, it's very important that you know how to catch. You could end up hurt if you don't. The ball comes at you and it's a fly ball and, and you do this. Guess what? You'll be at the dentist because you'll just it'll roll right down your glove into your face. So you teach people how to catch. So every, there's different aspects of the sport. It's not like you're just really good or you're really bad. You sometimes you go out there and you realize, okay, this is an area you need to work. When I played baseball, I I pitched. I was good on the field. I struggled when I was younger in hitting because when I first started playing. One of my first times facing a live pitcher, I got hit in the nose, and it hurt, and it bled, and my dad was similar to me, and I pretty much put some tissues in my nose, and he's like, get to first base, son. I'm like, dad, you kidding me? But you play through it. But because of that, I was fearful in that area. As much as I loved baseball, I had to work on my hitting. I had to overcome some things to be an all-around better player. So in our life, I'm not saying that you have, you're either really bad or really good. What I want to do is just look through a few areas and say, where do I need to work? Where do I need the Lord to help me? Where are some of the weaker areas of my life that I just want the Lord to help me? Not that it's bad, but you just could improve. All right? So when you read this, I want you to read it, and I want you to ask yourself these questions as we go over it. But hear me, your evaluation will only be good and helpful if you'll be honest. If you'll be honest with yourself, then the Lord will be able to say, okay, now that you recognize this is a, this is a place where I want to help you, and he'll help you. All right, so let's look through these. Look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It's our theme verse here. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and in and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, say those next four words, mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. 
Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Then let's go to the next one, Hebrews 6.1. Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again, and let us go instead and become, say it, mature in our understanding. So we want to, we want to grow. Okay, we need to grow. We need to make sure that we understand and allow the Lord to help us. Lord, I want to be, I want to grow. I don't want to stay at this little baby stage. I don't even want to stay at the toddler stage. But I want to continue to grow and develop all the way through a mature, godly person in the Lord. That's, that's what our desire is. So as we do that, when we see that, we've, we're going to see at the end that all of this happens through Jesus. It all happens through the word. You're not going to be able to just go, perf- don't, just, don't take this and get up tomorrow. Okay, I will encourage, I will do this. Because the Lord is going to be what's going to have to help you. The Lord will have to do the work in you. And we're going we're gonna to go through that. But let's talk about some areas just to see how we're doing. And instead of putting all these questions in, I just say, how am I doing? And then we're going to go over it. First, encouraging others. Let's read some scriptures on that, and then we'll talk about it. Encourage each other. Build each other up, just as you're already doing. Let's go to Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive language. See? Watch yourself. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Now listen to this. Let what? Everything. You know what everything means? Everything that comes out of your mouth should be good and helpful. That'll, that'll, I'm a, I just realized I have one to work on. <laughs> Everything that comes out of your mouth should be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, here's the places, well, let's just read the, finish reading these. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This scripture gets used a lot about, you should go to church. Never forsake the assembling together. But you know what? The reason we come together is to encourage one another. The reason you're here today is for two things. To encourage someone and to be encouraged by someone. God wants to speak to you, and he wants to help you while you're here to be part of a family that you do your part. You receive, and you also give every Sunday. Every Sunday, you should receive encouragement. If we're, if we're, if we're fulfilling the mission and vision God's given us, everybody in here should be encouraged every time you come in these doors because everybody else around you should be doing this. But then whoever's next to you should be encouraged beside, by you because you're also fulfilling this vision. So we need to be encouraging to one another. And then Proverbs 12, 25 Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers them up. When people are down, you know what people need sometimes? They just need an encouraging word. It lifts them up. So how, how does this relate in our everyday life? Listen, how much encouragement are you receiving watching the news? For real. No one else is either. I think last week I told you about a conversation at the, when I was at the Y. About these two people were just going back and forth about the politics and how miserable and nervous and everything they were. And I'm telling you, people are, 
people are weighed down and they need encouragement. And we have, we have the means to encourage people. When you're at work and it's tough and, and they're, they're pushing you and they're asking more of you than what you feel you can do and everybody else is complaining, you have an opportunity to encourage, to lift people up. There's not one person in this room that, that does not like being encouraged. Even if you act like it, you, you know you like it. Because it, it infuses courage in you. When people encourage you, it builds you up. Don't you like to be encouraged? Yeah. Words like, hey, you can do it. I'm with you. Stand strong. You got this. Just a small, small little opportunity you have to encourage someone. You know, Monday, when I was in staff meeting, there was a kid in my youth group uh, back in the day when I was youth pastoring. And he was a good kid and uh, very athletic, played soccer, just all around good kid. And he was in a diving accident last week and uh, fractured his C5, some other stuff. So he's no feeling in his legs or arms or his arms he can, but not his hands. And they don't know, they don't know what's going to happen. It's been that way for about a week now. And uh, the Lord just put it on my heart, and I asked Patty about it, because sometimes Patty uh, gets things clear before I do. And I'll say something like, I feel like the Lord. She's like, yeah, I already knew that. I was like, man, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, just kidding. But I said to her, I was like, you know, I feel like maybe I need to go see him. And, and, and Patty says, I, I, I think so. So I left uh, Monday. I took Curtis with me, and I left Monday and drove to Baltimore, Maryland, to the hospital up there at University of Maryland. I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to be like. Uh, I, talked to, I talked to his dad. Uh, he called me, actually, and I was in Virginia. And he said, hey, you know, I said, just how's he doing or whatever. And I said, well, I'm on my way. And he was like, what? I said, well, I'm, I just felt like I needed to come up there. And, uh, and it was real, you know, not a good signal. We were in the mountains. And he's like, I thought you said you're coming up here. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And then we got disconnected. So I never knew for sure if he even knew I was coming. But I texted him and, and let him know, hey, we're, we'll be there in just a little bit. Uh, we, got, we got in the hospital. And his dad didn't tell him that I was coming. So he's sitting there in the hospital. And, and he's just kind of laying there. And his eyes are closed. His mom was wiping his face. And uh, I walk in. And he opens his eyes. And he just begins to cry. And then I did. Just because I didn't want him to feel bad. I mean, you know, <laughs> I didn't want him to think. And here's what happened. We had this thing, and, and you know what? I didn't say anything. I didn't have a gift. I didn't have flowers or candy. or It was just me, and I was like, hey, man, how are you? And it, it, it overwhelmed him, and it encouraged him. And all I did is just take a little small trip and walk in that hospital. It didn't take any grand thing. And I'm not saying that to, to boast or brag. I'm saying it to say it doesn't take much to be an encouragement. You don't have to know all the words to say. You don't have to know all the right answers. I just went in there. I prayed with them. I talked with them about life, just how he was doing. We are just catching up. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And then we left and we headed back. 
And we, you know, we stopped like 11, crashed, and then got up the next morning and went the, the rest of the way. Just a small little token of just saying, hey, I want to encourage you. God's got you. You got people praying for you. Don't give up. You fight. You stay strong. Trust God. Trust God. Just continue to lean on him for strength. I believe he's going to walk again. That's what I pray. That's what I told him. I believe it. But encouragement, it goes a long way, long way. So we need to make sure, you know, how are you, how are you doing encouraging people? How are you doing in that? And then you'll see with all of these, it's going to evaluate what's important. Sometimes we get up and, and we have so much going that day that it's just about us getting everything done. We miss opportunities to be a blessing and to be an encouragement to somebody. Look at the second thing, be patient, being patient with others. How are we doing with that? Ephesians 4, 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You know, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I wish people would grow faster. Can I be honest with you? There are times I'm thinking, man, how long are you going to struggle with that? But then I think about my own life. And I think, you know what? I still have times where I get insecure. I still have times where I struggle. I still have times where fear tries to creep in. And God has been so patient with me. And when we see people and we see what they're going through and, and they struggle and they're struggling making right decisions, at what point do we need to look back and say, wait a minute. We need to be patient. We need to be patient. People are on a journey. We don't always know what that journey is. We don't always know where they've been and, and what, what their struggle is. But when we see people fail, we see people struggle, we see people that, you know, are um, a little more insecure or a little more fearful or even what you would think is a little more needy, we got to be patient. Got to be patient with each other, even in, even in the difficulties. We got to be patient. Let's go to the next one, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces this fruit. Love, joy, peace, and you know how we become patient? We live by the Spirit. We walk in patience. We don't have to try to produce it. We just have to let the Holy Spirit lead our life, and we will be more patient. We will be more patient. And it's not just patient with each other and with family members. All that has to be that, too. But patient when you're... You know, and, and I, listen, I understand that we're busy and that we have stuff going on, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, sometimes even in uh, stores, when you're in line and you're waiting on something, and it seems like the cashier is just doesn't really care, and it seems like they're just dragging one item at a time, beep, and then they have it upside down so it never scans. And never scans. Then they finally find the symbol and then it scans. Can I just tell you, sometimes people are at work because they have to work and it's provision. They don't have a choice to not be there. But that day, they're struggling. Life is hitting them. They got stuff going on at home. They got stuff going on in their family and they're just there because they got to have that paycheck. They're just there because they can't really afford to take another day off. And, and they're having a difficult time. And we, we're just so busy about getting out of there fast. 
And, I, and again, I'm not telling you to, you need to go work on that. I'm just saying evaluate. Are you one of those people that's, that you just, you know, when there's four people online, you're like, open another line already. Come on, you see us? You know, it's, listen, you'll get through. Relax. Enjoy the journey. You miss out on life when you're impatient. Galatians 16, 32. It's better to be patient than powerful. How many of you would love to just be powerful? Doesn't that sound good? Scott is a powerful man. That's, that's got a ring to it, doesn't it? No, not at all. You know what I'd rather hear? Scott is a patient man. Because you're better if you're patient than powerful. But a lot of people, they pursue power. But the Bible says you're better to be patient. That puts it up on the high priority. So evaluate. Where are you at in that? Are you patient? Do we need to grow in our patience? The other area is, listen, when you pray, you say, Lord, will you please? And then you open your eyes and it hasn't happened yet. I pray, listen, Zach is 16 years old. And we're still believing God for complete manifestation in his body, in his life. 16 years. Am I discouraged? Nope. Because God's already done amazing things. Teachers, doctors, people are already saying, something's up with that kid. He's doing things I never, I w- we would have never thought he could do. Some of the other things that go on, it's not going on with him. Doctors are amazed. But I, do I give up? Because, well, you know what, God, I gave you 20 minutes. No. Faith and patience inherit the promise. Not just faith. I had faith, it didn't happen. Yeah, but you know, you probably lack the other, the other one. Faith and patience. Pray, believe God, and then be patient as it manifests. Be patient as you're in the journey. Things don't happen right away. That doesn't mean you give up and say, God, you didn't do it. Relax. God's faithful. Be patient. All right, here's another one. Ready? Ephesians 4.31, we're talking about forgiveness. How are you at forgiving people? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Now, how are you supposed to forgive? Read the rest of it. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Do you know how God forgave you? Completely. Completely. God is a forgiving God. And we need to allow the Lord to help us to forgive. Because if you haven't been hurt yet, you will. If you, if you are in this world, people will get on your nerves. People will say things about you. People will do things. People will just not be nice to you all the time. And we have to learn, Lord, help me to forgive the way you forgive. In, the, in, the, um, in Matthew 6, 12, I don't think I have this in your notes, but it's the Lord's Prayer, and it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know what that's saying? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, forgive like I forgive those. Forgive as I forgive others. Listen, your forgiveness, it goes on to say in that same chapter, if you'll forgive people, God will forgive you. And if you don't, then he won't forgive you. That's, that's strong words. 
God is very serious about forgiveness. Very serious. Matter of fact, Jesus on the cross, when he was nailed to the cross, he had been whipped. A crown of thorns smashed down on his head. He's a bloody mess. His back's ripped open all over. And the people that did it, just before he dies, he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Stephen in Acts chapter 7 does the same thing, verse 58. He does the same thing. He's being stoned to death and he falls to his knees. And before he, before he dies, he says, Father, don't hold this sin against them. What? That's not normal. In the human way. In God's way, it is normal. But it's not normal. But how, how can we forget? We look at how Jesus forgave. Because Stephen did what Jesus did. To the very people taking his life, he acted like Jesus did the way people, when people were taking his life. He forgave. Listen, forgiveness doesn't mean that it's okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to be best friends. Forgiveness doesn't mean any of that. Forgiveness just means you're not going to let their wrong action tear your life apart. That you're going to say, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm forgiving. But, but we can still set boundaries. We can still, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, things that's going to hurt them. Makes no sense. If Cliff did something to hurt me, I was like, oh, yeah, watch this. Drink poison. Well, he don't affect him at all. But all that stuff in here, it'll tear you up if you leave it in there. we got to forgive Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. For anyone who offends you, forgive. Don't hold on to that offense. Do not hold on to that offense. Look at Mark. Look at the next verse, Mark three or Mark 6, 3 through 6. They scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. They're talking about Jesus here. His sisters right here among us, they were deeply, listen to this, the people talking here, they were deeply, say it, offended. Now let's keep reading. They refused to believe, so there was offense and unbelief. And Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he could not do any miraculous things except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Listen, the power of God manifesting was limited because of unbelief and offense. And if you let offense stay in your life, you will limit. You can't limit God. He's unlimitless. But you can limit what he does in your life. Because if you, if you stay offended, then that's an area of your life that you're letting no one into, including God. Listen, I'll be, I'll be the first to tell you. You know, a lot of hurts that people have are from churches. It's sad. There's a lot of people that I've talked to that don't go to church because of what happened to them at church. But you know what? We have to learn to say, listen, you know what? I can't hold on to this offense because offense is taken, not given. If you choose to be offended and you receive that offense and hold on to it, that's because you've taken that. Doesn't mean if someone says something, it's not offensive, but for you to take it, you're holding on to offense, and it'll destroy what God wants to do in your life. It'll destroy it. And I don't mean this in a petty way to make light of anything that happens, <coughs> but I am saying this. Sometimes we have to allow the Lord to help us to, to kind of get over 
the offense. Not, not negating that, that the, what was said or done wasn't hurtful or wrong, but saying, you know what? God, you've forgiven me completely, and I'm forgiven. I will forgive. I have been, listen, I've been hurt by churches. I've been hurt by pastors. I've been hurt by leaders. I've been hurt by family members. I've been hurt by, we've all been hurt by all kinds of people. But there's a choice that you finally have to say to say, you know what, I can't just hold on to that and let it destroy me. And can I tell you, even physically, it'll mess you up. Even physically, it'll tear your insides up, holding on to offense and bitterness. It, it'll, it'll mess you up. But being able to say, you know what? God, I, I just, I forgive and I release it. I release it. All that does is free you. It just frees you. So how are we doing at forgiving? Because when you forgive, listen, God will take care of you. You know, I've shared this story before, but our house was broke into a lot. Well, I say a lot, three times. Well, the church once in the house twice. We live right next to it. And we came in one time and almost everything was gone. Everything electronic was gone from microwave, radios, clocks, everything gone. TVs. You know, and the stereo then were those, you know, those big, thin, wooden speakers that are up real high and record player and tape decks. And, you know, that was fancy back then. Some of you are like, record? What is that? <laughs> um, ask your parents. Uh, but I remember that all that stuff was stolen. And we came home, and I remember, well, I remember we had all kinds of different feelings. One of it was fear, like, are they still in here? Like, whoever told, stole, you know, stole this, did, when we came home, did they see us, and now they're hiding so me and my brothers, we got our machetes because that's all we had from my dad went on a mission trip and brought us back a machete. So we were like walking around the room. Uh, but we, we just, we had the fear. But then we had this sense of like, we've been violated. They, they, stole, they stole our stuff. We had these jars on our, on our dressers that we collected money. We had $5 allowance and that was a lot back then. And $2 we would put in the jar, $2 we would spend, and $1 we would, we would give. 50 cents was to either 50 cents to missions. And, um, and that's how we grew up. So we didn't have an account. We had those jars. And those jars were gone. And we didn't care about the other stuff. But we cared about those jars. And we were mad. And we had a family meeting that night in the living room because we still had our couch. And we, we sat there. And my dad, here's what my dad said to us. It's what my dad said, and I, and I love it because it, 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 it marked my life. He said, we're going to right now, we're going to pray, and we're going to forgive those people that took our stuff. And I remember as a kid thinking, huh, you might. I want my jar. You know, that's what I'm thinking inside. But he said, we're going to go around. I want all of us to pray, and I want us to forgive them. And then when the, the police came, filled a report, my dad told the police officer, if you find them, just tell them they can have it. Because you know what? They can't steal from us if we give it to them. And I'm like, well, if the police catch them, we can get our stuff back. And they didn't steal from us. That's my thought. I'm like, I want my jar, Dad. I want my jar. 
Got like $18 in there. But you know what? We forgave them. And I did too. My, my parents, I mean, they talked with us for a few minutes and walked us through that. And we forgave them. Hey, listen to me. The next day, there was a family in the church that came by our house and said, Pastors, we, someone gave us a TV and we, already, we don't need it. But they insisted giving it to us. Do you know, do you guys, do the church have any use for a TV? And listen, y'all, this was a TV where I didn't have to be the remote. <laughs> this was a little bit higher. I mean, there were still some things I had to do, but it had a power thing. Better than what we lost. And the next day, the next day after that, and the next week, people gave us radio, stereo, things that people gave that didn't know anything. And it sounds like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, that day I realized if you forgive, God will take care of you. Because those people that stole us, we never got to them. We never got, we never found them. I'll be honest, the next day me and my brother got on the bike and we rode around a little bit. But we, we were trying to see if we could just find somebody that was carrying a jar. Um, but but we, we forgave and God blessed us. And to this day, we forgive. We forgive. If you were here, remember that time there? We came up one day, and, and the whole first row of these shrubbery stuff was tore up. The grass was all tore up. A truck, someone was turning around and couldn't make it, and tore half those shrubs up out there, a portion of them on the very end. I mean, just ran right over them. And, and I could get a little bit like, oh, I hate when something's not. If it looks really bad in the front, especially. And, and I was like, are you kidding me? And I remember the Lord just said, forgive them. And I remember I was speaking on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. And I said, listen, did y'all see those? Here's what we're going to do. We're forgiven. Whoever ran those over, whoever destroyed that stuff out there, we forgive them. We forgive them. The next day, I get a call. Hey, um, I got the name, the license plate of the guy who wrote over all of your stuff. I have all the company he was with. I have it all. And I was like, good thing you didn't call me Saturday. <laughs> but you know what? I said, oh, it's all right. We're going to get some new hedges out there. Don't worry about it. We're fine. We forgive them. It's probably just an accident. That's crazy. But you know what? God blessed us. When you drive out, watch out for the hedges. <laughs> but you'll see, we planted some more. God's faithful. If you'll forgive, God will take care of you, I promise. It's worth it for you to forgive. It's worth it for you not to be offended. All right. Being honest with others. Psalm 32, 2. What joy for those whose record has been cleared of guilt. Is that, is that good that you are guilt-free because of Jesus and whose lives are lived in complete honesty? Complete honesty. Let's keep going. Proverbs eleven five. The godly are directed by what? Honesty. Honestly directs us. Let's keep going. James 5, 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, produces wonderful results. Honesty is honesty with ourselves, honesty before God. But we're talking here, how, how do we do with other people? Are we honest with other people? I was talking with someone this morning and I was saying, you know what, I'm realizing more and more as I pastor that some of the root issues that people have will ultimately get down to a place of are you going to be honest? 
Because down deep, there's some reasons why we act like the way we act. Because we don't want to talk about what we're really going through. We don't want to talk about what's really hurting us. We don't want to talk about the fact that we don't have it all together. So we got to try to be strong. And anytime someone challenges us, we're going to put this strong thing up and saying, you know what, you're right, I do struggle. I went, I went years in my marriage, years, with this thing and this place in me. It wasn't intentional. I was just trying to be strong. But not realizing how much I just bury stuff if it bothers me. I just bury it, and I just bury it, and I just bury it. And I try to be strong for everybody. I want to make sure the church knows, hey, we could, we could, we could lean on Pastor Scott. He's strong. He, he, oh, he's a man. He's a godly man. Hallelujah. I'll just run to the preacher. I don't know why I started talking like that. But he, he's just godly. We can lean on him. And you know what? You can, as long as you know, if you're following me, just make sure I'm following Jesus. Because I'm just as human as you are. And I have insecurities. I have struggles. There's times I'm fearful. There's times I don't know how to do something. And I think, God, is this the right direction? Is this the right step for the church? Lord, everybody who's trusting me in this, Lord, make sure, will you please help me? I don't, I don't know how to handle this. But there's people in my office and they're talking and they're saying, hey, pastor, can you help me with this? And I'm saying, God, you better talk to me quick. They're almost done and I don't have nothing. And they're wrapping up. And then they're going to say, what do you think? And I'm going to say, hold on. He hasn't told me yet. But you know what? God's been faithful to me. He's been faithful to help me. He's been faithful to bring things to remembrance that I've read before. He's been faithful to say, listen, point them to the word. Point them to me because I'm the only one that can really help them. And God's helped me do that. But if you think I don't have that stuff, but I live years of my life not, not, not letting it out. And it affected my life. It affected my marriage. It affected my family. It affected this church. We're healthier today. We're healthier today than we've ever been. Why? Because I decided no more. The dam broke that was holding all that stuff back. And I sat and I just got it out. And I repent. I said, Lord, I'm sorry that I've tried to be so strong. Because it's in my weakness your strength is perfect. So I've, I've not leaned on you. As much as I trust you, as much as I love you, I've tried to do some things on my own, and I've failed. And today, I'm so much better. Still gotta, I'm still on a journey. I'm still growing. But Patty and I talk, and I'll even tell her sometimes. I said it the other day. I said, Patty, that hurt my feelings. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what? Because I decided, listen, men, you get your feelings hurt. And if we'll stop trying to be so daggum strong and just realize, you know what? I'm just like you, and I struggle too, and I need Jesus just like you need Jesus. And if we'll be honest and we'll confess that to each other, we will be so much healthier. We'll be so much stronger. We will attract people who have been waiting for someone to say, me too. Because they're struggling and we act like we got everything together. No one wants to be around that guy who's got everything together. Because you feel bad. You feel like, man, I wish I could be like him. Listen, let me tell you something. If you have someone you wish you could be like, let me tell you, you already are. They struggle. They're just not telling you. We got to be honest. We got to talk to each other and say, listen, pray with me. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm nervous. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. We got to be honest. 
No more tough guys or tough women or, you know, just be real. Because in your realness, God will do amazing things in your life. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I know that sounded funny, so I just repeated it. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, you can read that, but it talks about two are better than one. Listen, if we'll be honest and let people come around us, and we'll be honest with them, and they'll be honest with us, we'll be better off. We'll be so much stronger if we'll just let people on the journey with us. In Exodus, there's a story where Moses goes up on the mountain, and when he holds the rod up, Joshua's winning the battle. But when his arms come down, Joshua's losing the battle. And had he not let Moses, I mean, Aaron and her go up the hill with him, then it would have been over. But he allowed these two guys to be a part of his journey up the mountain. And when his arms got tired, guess what? Aaron and her came beside him and lifted his arms up and held his arms up. And Joshua won the battle. Moses didn't go like, I, I do it myself. Get away from me. Oh, jeez. It wasn't like that. You know what? He accepted it, the help, because he was tired. Some of you, you know what? You've been, you've been standing, and you've been fighting. You've been praying. You've been believing, and you're just a little tired, and that's okay. Because you know what? We need to come around those people and say, listen, we got you. We'll hold your arms up for you. We will pray for you. We will encourage you. What we just did earlier, praying for each other, why do we do that? Because we encourage, we want to help each other. No place in the scripture does God tell you to be some lone ranger. He says all through scripture about one can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. There is strength in numbers. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. You're stronger with other people. Do you allow other people into your life? Are you there for people? Most of us would say, hey, I'm here for you. But people don't always come to us because we don't talk about what we're going through. When we first came back from the uh, marriage thing, when all this stuff surfaced in me, I remember the first Sunday that I just came out in and I told y'all, I said, look, I'm a different person. I've lost 300 emotional pounds. I got it all out. And I just realized some things about me, and I, and I, and I just know that I got, we got to be honest where we are. We got to be real. Do you know that week I had more emails and phone calls than any week I've had? You know why? Because people were saying, oh, me too. Me too, Pastor. Me too. Me too. I had, I had a grown man come to me one Wednesday night and say, hey, man, can we get together and talk? Because I've never done what you did. But I know I'm where you were at. Can you, can you talk with me, man, and help me? Because you're different. I want to be free. Why? Because, you know what, all that happened was I just got honest. And that honesty started to help other people realize, oh, yeah, me too. Let's be honest with each other. All right, let's listen to one another. James 1.19 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. This, I want to tie this into what we just talked about, being honest. Do you know sometimes this is when someone comes and they want to talk to you? Sometimes what people need is this part of you, not this part of you. 
And we talk about it in marriage, yeah. And and a lot of times, uh, I won't say all, some marriages, men have no problem with this. But it's this. Because as men, sometimes we, we conquer things. We fix things. We, we, we solve things. But sometimes, you know what people need? They just, they just need you to listen. I had a guy call my office one time. He, was, he had been praying and praying and praying. He said, you know what? This stuff with God, I prayed. I've done everything. I've fasted. I've read Bibles. I've quoted scriptures. Nothing's happened. And you know what? I don't even. And inside, I, I knew. My, my thought was like, well, bro, listen, man. The Bible said, you know. But something just told me. Well, I believe it was the Spirit of God. I mean, it just said, just, just listen. And I listened. When he was done, I said, man, that's got to be tough. I didn't, I didn't even counteract his arguing about whether God's really God or not. All I said was, man, that's, that's got to be tough to feel that. Man, I'm, I'm sorry you're feeling that, bro. I, I can't imagine what that feels like. There's this long pause. And then he says, you know what, though, man? I know God's got this. And because we're on the phone, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't. Sometimes people just need to. They just need to, they just need to kind of throw up and get it out. And then they feel better. And then they'll start to think like, okay, now that I got that out, let me really think about this. So let's be quick to listen. Just quick to listen. Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Proverbs eleven fourteen, Without wise leadership, a nation falls, but there's safety in having many advisors. Having many people speak into your life, there's safety in that. Let's go down to prioritizing your relationships. Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Live righteous and he will give you everything that you need. Joshua 1, 8. Study the book of instruction continually meditate on it day and night you'll be sure to obey everything written in it only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do only then when you put God first will you prosper and succeed in all that you do and then look at this one in Deuteronomy it says listen O Israel the Lord is our God the Lord alone and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your strength you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Listen to this. Look at that verse right there. We talked about loving the Lord first. Then it starts talking about your home, your family, your spouse, your kids. You know, what are, what are your priorities? What are your priorities? The Bible says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. We're not going to go off on this whole marriage counseling thing, but I'm going to tell you, you have to, what I want you to do in this is I want you to evaluate where you are on your priorities. Because we can say it, but your calendar will show it. There's been times where I, I have, just serve the Lord so faithful, prayed for people. I mean, just go, Pastor Scott. But been away from Patty and the kids, missing opportunities for family. 
going home and I'm so tired, I can't, you know, I'm just like, oh, hey. Sit on the couch. That's not a good priority. Can I, can I just tell you so you know? God is my number one priority. And then that woman back there, Patty, is number two. And then my kids. So if there's a situation in the church and there's a situation with my family, you know where I'll be. And it won't be here. But we have to make sure that we're, you know, we, we're in a society now that, man, oh, we love to work. We love to be busy. Our phones have become little gods. And I'm guilty of it too. But we can't turn it off. We can't stop. We can't stop. I, I, I don't mind telling you this, but the other day, Patty and I were, we were, just, we were just talking. You know, we're having some just talking time. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, I know, yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? She was gracious. She didn't say anything. But I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> because you know what? These are, the reason why we were healthier before, families were healthier before, is because when you left work, you actually left work. Now, listen, I, I'm guilty of it. I leave the office, I go home, and I still have the office. And I still have every, everybody that's going through whatever, and, and I still have it. I still have sermon notes. I still have my Bible app I can be studying. I still have it. I want to challenge you. Prioritize your schedule if it's not. You ask, don't ask me. Ask the Lord. Lord, what is, what is right for me? Because we, we, I, I, can't, I can't continue to live in wrong priorities and expect to be healthy. If we want to grow, we got to grow. And we got to be honest with where we are with our priorities. And then finally, praying for others. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out for only your interest, but take, an, but take an interest in others too. When you're praying, listen, don't just pray for you. Pray for others. You know, on Mondays, we pray for you guys in our staff meeting. If there's requests that come in and we have prayer requests back in the table in the foyer, and you fill out a request, listen, we pray. We pray. There's times I've just been in here and the Lord's put someone on my heart and I, I pray for you. There's been times you were on my heart and I prayed for you and you didn't even know it. But we need to be willing to think about other people and say, you know what, they're going through some stuff. Whoever you were had, you know, if you had your hand on somebody's shoulder earlier praying for them for a miracle, you know what, you ought to get their name before, they, before you leave and tell them, I'll be praying for you this week. Because that's what the Lord wants us to do. Matthew 5, 44. I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. What? We got to even pray for those people? Yeah. Yeah. When your boss comes in your office, and you're like, oh, Jesus. Pray for him. You know why? Because you can't hate someone you pray for. And you'll never pray for someone you hate. So pray. And if you pray, God will give you a heart for that person. To know how to respond. To know how to handle things. But God may just change that person. 
because you took time to pray. Colossians 1, 9 through 13, this was Paul's prayer. It says, we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Here's what he prayed. Pray for God to give you complete knowledge of his will, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in his inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's Paul's, that Paul was praying that we would understand more of God, more of his will, be strengthened in all that he has for us. That's Paul's prayer. Look at 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy, we'll close with this. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2 says, I urge you, first of all, pray for, say it, all people. All people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this, pray this way for kings and all those who are in authority so we can live peaceful, quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Go back to verse 2 for a second. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. Can I just tell you, whether you like authority or not, it doesn't say in there, pray for the authority that you like. It doesn't say that. If you're going to line yourself up and you're telling God, Lord, I want to grow in this area, then you have to allow God that at some point. It may take a process, but at some point you have to be open for him to get you to that place that you can pray for authority. If you're students, you need to pray for your teachers. You need to pray for your professors. You need to pray. We need to be praying for police officers, firemen, all the people who represent this county, for our mayor, for the governor, for the president. You need to pray for pastor. You need to pray for me. You need to pray for anyone that's in any level of authority. The Bible is very clear. Listen, pray. And here's why. He says, pray this way so, so we can live peaceful, quiet lives. Not peaceful because we're going to make sure they all change. Peaceful because we're praying for them. And when you do what you're supposed to do and you pray, God will take care of you. No matter what the authority in your life does, God will take care of you because of your heart to pray for them and trust God with that. And you just lift them up in prayer. I want you to take these, and I want you this week, I want you to go through each one. And you know which ones maybe you're doing a little bit better in, and those where you know maybe you need to ask the Lord to help you to grow in. And he'll help you. But these are the things that will manifest in your life. as you, as you're, See, that thing we talked about last week was W, and he cares for you. And you love God with everything you have. And then God will do the work through you. So if you're struggling with some of these, listen, go to God. Don't just go home and say, I've got to force myself to encourage people. No, go to God. He'll help you encourage people. He'll help you. He'll help you.